1: The CDC recommends regularly poisoning children. An Ontario court punishes a doctor who wants to protect people from being poisoned. Alberta's new premier apologizes to those who were punished for not taking the poison. And the public inquiry reveals that the federal government was unjustified in invoking the War Measures Act in response to those protesting the poison mandates. Our weekend review will help provide the antidote to toxic media lies and corruption. In anticipation of the municipal election in Ontario, the legacy media goes into full spin mode, lumping us at the Liberty Coalition Canada in with other organizations and candidates calling us anti-LGBTQ2S+, They worded a little bit different than the prime minister because they can't get their acronyms in order. Or, as we've been known since the beginning of human history, people with normal views of marriage and sexuality. And finally, the federal handgun freeze took effect this past Friday, making it illegal to buy, sell or transfer handguns in Canada. At the same time, in a delicious twist of irony and Providence, a leaked phone call involving RCMP Commissioner Brenda Luckey seems to show that she knowingly used a mass shooting in Nova Scotia in 2020 to help the federal government advance that very same handgun legislation. And yes, that is very, very illegal. It's October 25th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch.
2: Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Wherever you're getting our content from, whether your favorite podcast catcher, YouTube, or our Rumble channel where we post most of our stuff, because YouTube tends to cancel us. Be sure to interact with our content, comment, leave uh, questions, uh, rate, review, do what you have to do, interact with us. It is. Just a really helpful way of getting our content out to more people and telling people that you like what we have going on here. And it's a way to win the algorithm game so our content isn't suppressed uh, and you know we can fight back against the leftist, leftist narratives. Um, also, you can get us and our content on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. They also have a very handy... App That you can get on your phone, get all our content on demand with that app, which you can download at the Google Play or Apple app stores. Also, be sure to go over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com. Check out everything we have going on there. And please, we ask that you would, while you were there, donate uh, to us, help us continue to be a wrench in the legacy media machine uh the fact that they have to do hit pieces against us which we will talk about later in the show is evidence that we are being effective and we cannot be effective and we cannot continue to grow to push back against the legacy media without your help so Thank you so much for all that support thus far but we would ask again if you would go to the donate page and consider leaving a donation even small monthly donations you know forego one of those Timmy's coffees uh, are a huge help if if a bunch of people give a little bit of money to this uh, to this cause to our efforts here they can go a long way so, I would encourage you to do that. And finally, if you want to reach out to us, please feel free to email us at info at with any comments, questions, concerns, and also be sure, as we've said, leave a question. If you want us to read it on the show with the title mailbag, and that will flag for us that we have to, uh, read it. So we would appreciate you doing that. We want to interact with you guys, uh, more and more. So Appreciate uh, you tuning in and uh, appreciate you reaching out to us.
1: Our week in review is brought to you by our friends over at resistance coffee, because we're going to need a little bit extra to get through the stories that we've seen in Canada in the last week. Did you know you can purchase freshly roasted coffee that will also support Liberty at the same time? Resistance coffee company is a Canadian coffee roastery that gives a portion of every sale to organizations fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians. Resistance Coffee is a small batch roastery, which ensures you are never drinking old and stale coffee like you find at the grocery store or that garbage Tim's that Matt mentioned. Yeah, you can give up your cup of Tim's and put your money towards this. Get freshly roasted, specialty-grade coffee delivered to your door as often as you want it, and enjoy knowing that your money isn't funding the leftist causes you despise. Drink great coffee and support Liberty Coalition Canada by visiting resistancecoffee.com slash LCC today. And when you use that slash LCC link, you get 10% off your entire purchase. That includes apparel and mugs. Tell your friends and family, get them drinking some Fuel for Freedom too. That's resistancecoffee.com slash LCC to save 10% off your purchase.
2: Man, I got to tell you, when I'm walking around with my defund the CBC mug, drinking delicious coffee out of that, my relatives, they say, hey, where do we get that? Where do we get that mug? This coffee's awesome. Everybody who's uh, come over and had a taste of resistant coffee says, Big difference, need it. So, uh, it, it, it's it's been awesome to see people are like, I gotta get that swag. I gotta drink that coffee more. So, definitely, you're gonna want to get hooked over uh, hooked on it over at resistancecoffee.com/lcc. Anyways, Andrew, it's been a crazy whirlwind news cycle this past week. And as we are wont to do, we want to distill a bunch of the news stories that have come across our screens, our tablets, whatever it may be, into our week in review. Let's fire it up. Well, on our first story... Today, Andrew, we're covering the fact that the CDC has now recommended that the COVID experimental gene therapies that people have been calling vaccines should be added to the routine children's vaccination schedule.
1: Centers for Disease Control advisory panel voted Thursday to add COVID shots to children's vaccine schedule. The vote means that it is recommended that kids begin getting doses of a COVID vaccine when they are six months old.
2: So there you have it, Andrew. The CDC uh, puts... The, the these experimental jabs in with uh, lumps them in with all other vaccines that kids have to take, you know, to be a part of school or maybe rec sports or whatever it might be, uh, despite the fact that you know uh, the. Uh, the amount of children that have died from COVID is, is statistically neg- negligible. And also the fact that most of them, if not all, have had seriously co- serious comorbidities. So the fact that COVID isn't a real threat to children has not stopped the CDC from just 15 and 0, from voting 15 and 0 to add it to the vaccination schedule. It beggars the mind, Andrew. What are your thoughts? More kids under the age of
1: 18, and we can parse this out by specific age group, more kids under the age of 12 die from the flu, die from influenza, and have died in the last number of years than from coronavirus. This was the scandal of 2020. The scandal of 2020 was that in that year in the United States, something like 30 children under the age of 18, died from coronavirus, which obviously that's 32 precious lives. But if you compare that to the flu season from 2018, 2019, in the United States, that number was more like 300. And people didn't lose their minds over that, which makes me think, clearly, this is about more than just protecting children. And so this is my my controversial hot take on this. If they can't slaughter the innocent life that they call a clump of cells before it exits the birth canal, then they're going to inject those babies with poison as soon as they can to kill them on the other end. That's what this is.
2: It's it's pretty astonishing, and like you said, uh, you know things like pneumonia, influenza. These things that are very routine that we don't have, uh, you know, pneumonia, influenza shots for children um, at that stage of life to be able to go to school, go to uh, attend various things. We don't require that. Yet those are. Um, diseases that are generally not all that harmful, but they are more harmful to young children than COVID-19. Nevertheless, the the scientists, uh, the experts have spoken, and they've spoken unanimously in favor of adding the COVID jab to children's schedule. Mean what you mean are shaming. Yes, yeah. That yeah, high raps... raps- <laughs>
1: Yeah, the they, they what order. they do is it so so the parent brings their child to the local shaman because their child has a cut, a pretty serious cut, and the local shaman will wrap a freshly shorn animal skin around that cut, infecting it and then killing the child, and the family thinks, well, this is what the shaman has told us is best and you know, he shook his bones in the cup and poured it out and based on how the bones fell We saw that this was obviously most pleasing to the gods so that we would get lots of rain. And I mean, that seems like an absolutely ridiculous, comical way to approach life. But all that is, is a more primitive version of what's going on here. This is the sad reality that in a similar way, parents are approaching the quote unquote experts who are basically just bone shaking shamans. Who are telling their parents that if you want to travel and if you want to stay safe, i.e. you want to have a good rain season and a good harvest, then you need to do whatever we say to your children, even if that means sacrificing their health and well-being. So this is just a modernized, more sanitized version of complete witchcraft. Um, but we don't call it that, but I'll call it that because that's what it is. Putting this in a six-month-old child. Is witchcraft. It's just modern day 21st century witchcraft.
2: Andrew, speaking of medical tyranny and foolishness, um, we've seen plenty of it over the last two and a half years. And it has now come to light that an Ontario court, a provincial court there in your wonderful province, has suspended a doctor who filled out a medical exemption to the COVID vaccination. So while this is not a video pertaining to this story per se, I do want to play for people the comments of uh, the chief medical officer, uh, Dr. Kieran Moore in Ontario, who's been dealing, heading up the the pandemic response about exemptions. And this predates uh, this story by a year, but I think it's illuminating. So let's get into that clip.
0: I've heard, uh, let's say through hockey leagues and or through uh, uh, employers of of a one to 2% uh, medical exemption
2: rate. Uh, To me, that does seem high.
1: He looks like a snake too. <laughs> I just imagine this tongue coming out, right? Like I can just picture that forked tongue coming out. Can you see yeah. it? I don't know. I just I see it. I see the whole. So th- someone's going someone's to email us about that. That that's inappropriate. The, there, you, I see it. I see there it. There you
2: have it. Doctor Moore says a one to two percent exemption rate for recreational sports and schooling and stuff like that from COVID vaccination, it seems a little high to him. He's just got the feeling that that's that's a high number. (laughs) And then now we we saw Andrew, um, we saw that the uh, College of physicians and surgeons of Ontario. Um, We just covered that story that they recommend doctors not give people exemptions rather that they should um, have a pharmacological approach to any anxieties that people might feel and they should fill them with anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants and all those sorts of things rather than uh, uh, placate people for exemptions. And then we also have Kieran Moore putting pressure on people not to write exemptions. So now we're seeing the courts backing up that same um, feeling and that same ideology and actually suspending a doctor for writing an exemption to somebody for not wanting to take the experimental gene therapy because of a conscience decision, something that's imminently appropriate, something that goes... At, it gets at the heart of consent in medicine yet doctors are now losing their licenses uh, or being suspended because they would dare um uh, uh, they would dare carve out an exemption for for the conscious of their their patients it's it's pretty astonishing andrew i thought it was even worse than that i mean that's bad but i thought that it was it was an actual
1: medical exemption but it was one that the college and the Ontario court said wasn't valid. So their medical exemptions that they they even grade them. And so if your medical exemption, for example, is severe allergic reaction, but not necessarily anaphylactic reaction, if you would say that there are ingredients in the vaccine that will cause me to break out in hives, you know maybe I have blood in my stool, like it'll really ruin me. If it doesn't kill you or call or cause anaphylaxis, that's not a valid medical exemption. So there, so the doctor—I I could be wrong, but I think the doctor provided a legitimate medically based exemption, but it wasn't good enough because the vaccine wouldn't have killed the person. And apparently, that's the only valid medical exemption. And, and this story, and again, the Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons highlights that our medical industrial establishment uh, has lost all credibility. Like, credibility is completely gone. When they can say that if you're a man and you feel like a woman, let's cut off your genitals and give you chemical treatment. Yay, that's great. Yeah, that's science. But if you have legitimate reasons why you don't want to inject a poison that doesn't work in your body... Let's give you prescription drugs and have you seek out psychotherapy. Like the credibility is out the window, and it's and there's another layer to this as well that we've talked a little bit about on the show. I know I've had conversations with people. I think we actually had this conversation with Matt Truella when we interviewed him, and it's it's the reality that what we're confronting here isn't just a confused, scared people. We're actually dealing with a whole other religious system. And in this religious system, we'll we'll link it. um, uh, We'll get the link out because I'm not opposed to shameless plugs. But I wrote a blog post maybe about a year ago. uh, And and I titled it A New Religion. And what I basically said was this scientist statism, or the statist scientism that we have now, it's It has all the tenets of a religious system. It has the God. It has the prophets. It has the priests. It has the holy books. But the one thing I said was that in this statist scientism, original sin is individualism and individual rights and responsibilities. That's original sin, which is why the mantra are, we're in this together, stay safe together, the collective, the common good. And so the reason I bring that up is because here you have either this doctor writing an exemption or in the case of Dr. Moore a year ago, individual doctors writing exemptions, basically saying I'm an individual doctor. I know my patient and based on my knowledge of the patient, I'm making an individual decision to fill out an exemption that I think is valid. And this religious system looks at that, which is the original sin and says, no, no, that's bad. That's you exercising your individual will and being responsible, not as a member of the collective blob, but as an individual person with rights and value and dignity. That is the original sin in this new religious system. And when you you lean into your original sin and you don't avail yourself of the means of salvation provided by this new religion— then obviously you will come under the fury of the God of that system who will bring his message of wrath through his prophets and through his priests. And in our case, the prophets and priests of this new religion are the legacy media and the unelected health bureaucrats. And that's what we're seeing here. They're just playing out their new religious system, crushing
2: the dissenters and the sinners. I think that's an amazing point that you made. This is a doctor that actively knows the patient that is involved in their lives, but giving a genuine medical exemption from a physician who actually knows this patient and has been able to assess them has run afoul of the Soviet, the council of doctors. Therefore he, he, they must be suspended. And that's the, the absurdity of the situation and the absurdity of basically the entire vaccine or bust for everyone all the time mentality that our medical establishment has taken. And like I said many a times, they are the ones who destroyed their credibility. It's death by suicide and not by homicide. And they have to own yeah, it's gonna that. be
1: it's gonna be at least a generation or maybe two before you really have any reestablished trust with the medical establishment i mean and this is something that i know dr um dr mccullough Mm -hmm. said this when we interviewed him as well that he really bemoans the fact that it is going to take a long time for people to trust once again in their doctors and in the medical establishment Mm -hmm. because that is that is dissolved that is blown away in the wind like a dandelion Yeah,
2: absolutely and if you haven't seen our episode with uh dr peter mccullough uh, in response to Neely Kaplan Mirth's insanity, uh, you're definitely gonna want to do that. I will link that in the description below.
1: That's our most viewed episode. Yeah, by the way. it's
2: getting up there. So I really appreciate that um, that people have tuned in. But you're definitely gonna want to see that if you have yet to see it. Um, so we're not gonna leave this uh, this topic, Andrew. We're just gonna move over to Alberta where the new premier...
1: Wait, are we actually moving over to Alberta? (laughs) Because that's what people are saying. Like We should should actually move over to Alberta now, or or are we just talking (laughs) metaphorically?
2: I'm just talking metaphorically, but it wouldn't be all that bad of an idea, obviously. But, uh, I mean, concerning the story we're covering, we're going to Alberta, so we can hear from their new premier, Premier Danielle Smith, as she... Uh, apologizes to the unvaccinated for the discrimination that they have suffered over the last two, one and a half, two years. So let's play that clip.
0: I'm, I'm deeply sorry for anyone who was inappropriately subjected to um, discrimination as a result of their vaccine status I'm deeply sorry for any government employee that was fired from their job because of their vaccine status, and I welcome them back if they want to come back. As for the amnesty, I have to get some legal advice on that, um, and so I've already asked my staff to, um, to, to request that advice so I can see how we would be able to proceed on that. My view has been that these were um, political decisions that were made, and so I think that they can be political decisions to offer a reversal, but I, I do want to get some, some legal advice on that first
1: you okay, got to have a sip of this because I can just – all the liberals, <laughs> like my, my mug, yeah. it, it, it filled just up, filled yes.
2: up. All
1: the liberals are losing their minds because they wanted the dissenters and they wanted those evil, selfish, unvaccinated people to suffer. And I'm I'm not going to forget what people said about mm-hmm. me. I'm not going to forget the Toronto Star article where they said, I don't care if they die. If they come to the hospital, we're going to turn them away. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget that. Mm -hmm. I'll forgive anyone who repents of it. But I will not forget the way that I and others were treated. Sorry, you can't eat here. Sorry, you can't watch this. You can't come watch a movie here. Yeah, I I remember. Sorry, you can't eat here. Sorry, you can't come watch a movie. Sorry, you're not allowed on a plane. You can't actually leave your country. And we're going to give you a hard time coming back. Like I... That was real. That really that really happened. This isn't a movie. This isn't like this really happened. Friends were fired from their jobs. A young adult from my church had to leave university and go somewhere else in another province. This really happened. People were really treated like second class citizens. We created medical apartheid in our country. We created a two-tiered system Based on whether or not you complied with lawless and unscientific mandates, it's crazy. Absolutely. And yeah. thank goodness, thank goodness that she has the, I'm going to say it, the balls yeah. to say that. The humility and, and temerity to mean yeah, it. To, to actually, right? Apologize. To mean yeah. it. Oh my goodness. I wouldn't be surprised if people flock to Alberta yeah. now and say that, like in the same way they did to Florida. Yeah. When DeSantis took his stand. Like that's good on her. And uh and, and I hope that I hope that the liberals mm-hmm. continue to set their hair on fire and scream in the middle of town square because here's someone who's actually standing up for what we can objectively say has mm-hmm. been the most discriminated demographic of people in a generation. Mm-hmm. And anyone who doesn't have a political bias that's blinding their sight has to agree with absolutely.
2: That. So, thumbs up to apology to the discriminated against, uh, unvaccinated in Alberta, Danielle Smith. Good for that. Uh, thumbs down for the apology for this amorphous uh systemic racism or marginalization of communities based off of a, a Marxist uh, lie. That's a thumbs down. This is a thumbs up because it's actually rooted in some semblance of truth. So, and wouldn't it be great if she actually does drop all the COVID
1: prosecutions? Yeah, yeah, she's That's what she's Wouldn't it be mm-hmm. great if all like my friends who still have charges mm-hmm who have contempt of court charges, who have fines looming for keeping their churches open, Mm -hmm. people whose restaurants were shut down. Like, wouldn't it be incredible if she actually goes all the way and says, yes, legally, we can drop all of the fines that had to do that were COVID related because of this act Mm -hmm. or this, whatever. And we're just going to drop them all. That would be tremendous. Absolutely.
2: And it would be the right thing to do. Um, And this apology, you know, even if you're somebody who's got the vaccine and you're pro-vaccine, this type of apology is warranted because this, these policies were undertaken under false pretenses. They were undertaken under the assumption that the vaccine would not be leaky, that it would actually work. And the fact that they don't, I mean... It's just evident that you you should apologize. You you these were falsely advertised and you affected, you absolutely affected people's lives and livelihoods based on these political decisions that you made. So I really appreciate Danielle Smith having as you say the cojones to to own up to admit a mistake and hopefully to take further steps to rectify that mistake in her province it seems all she's been doing is apologizing but thumbs up to this one let's get into andrew just the last couple clips that i want to play for our listeners because it is actually a, a little bit of a recap we've been walking through this public inquiry into the Emergencies Act as it's been unfolding. And we want to just play a couple of the very important bombshell revelations that are coming out of these hearings. A lot of it is boring. A lot of it is tedious. And a lot of it is just a lot of um, skirting around the real issues. But there's been two instances of testimony that are must-see. So I want to play that for you i want to first play the fact that the opp chief says that the act was unnecessary and then the admittance of steve bell as well that interim ottawa police uh, chief as well saying that there's other ways that they could have dealt with the issue
1: oh and j- just as you said that my mug filled up again I, don't, I just like just, just in anticipation run, of over. the videos my bug <laughs> is
2: wow it's back to the brim and let's get into it and in your view was there a
0: police solution to the demonstrations a police solution yes. policing or policing solutions there was a solution and we we reached that solution we we had some help with the emcpa the emergency man civil protection act regulations that we have with the province and the emergencies act but uh in my humble opinion we would have reached the same solution with the plan that we have without either of those pieces of legislation in within around the same timeline. Ted. Yes. Okay.
2: Whoa! Boom! That's it. It's, it's over. over. That's it. It's over. Not here,
1: unjustified. Get get. That's <laughs> it. It's let's over. that insult
2: the, to injury, Andrew?
1: And who and who is that guy? By the way, he's just he's just a Joe. No. Oh no no. What is he? He's the he's the OPP chief superintendent. Oh yeah, he's just. He's just one of the most high he's one of the highest ranking OPP officers. That's yeah, all. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so so let's let's hear from uh interim police chief there, uh, Steve Bell as well.
0: But last question just cuz I, uh, I just want to get this clear. But so you're saying that there was existing laws that you could have done the same thing under. Is that right?
1: We had a plan. We yeah. were going to execute a plan. Thank you.
2: Well, there you have it. If the first admission wasn't enough, uh, the second was definitely the nail in the coffin, especially since Steve Bell came in after um, uh, slowly resigned. And he was very aggressive. He uh, definitely turned up the temperature and the rhetoric. And um, I'm just astonished, Andrew. I I just want to read really quick before I get your comment for people so they can really understand how damning these admissions are i want to read the the threshold that really needs to be met for the emergencies act to actually be put in place because as this um canadian civil liberty society as they've said uh if the government didn't even get close to meeting the standard um Likewise, the Canadian Constitution Federation or Foundation, part of me, uh, concurred with the CCL in their findings as well, and that's because just a plain reading of the the text of the Emergency Act would show any reasonable person that the government didn't meet that threshold. Unless we forget the reason that Trudeau got rid of the emergency act was less that they were able to clear ottawa but the fact that he was going to lose a vote from the senate and the senate was going to vote against the invocation of the emergencies act because he didn't meet that clear threshold and that's why he did it as a political move because that would have really shown how insidious this this whole situation was but let's get into what it says The conditions that need to be met for the emergency act to be invoked are as follows. There is an urgent, temporary, and critical situation that seriously endangers the health and safety of Canadians. The situation is beyond the capacity or authority of a province or territory to deal with it. That means it has to rise to the level of the the national federal government stepping in. And third, the situation cannot be dealt with effectively under any other federal, provincial, or territorial law. So if you've heard the two really important uh, law officers uh, of the province, of the city, saying we had plans in place, we had... Under the current laws, we had strategies that we could do. We did not exhaust all options. We know for a fact that many of the provinces across the country did not approve of the invocation of the Emergency Act. Nevertheless, the government did it. And here we are, because that same act requires that we have this very commission that's going through and not thanks to the beneficence of uh, of the liberal uh, party but i wanted to lay that out because i think it's so important for people to understand how damning these clips are because we heard a lot of flowery rhetoric and testimony from zexy lee and from katherine McKenney, which apparently she lost her race this evening so good good for her that good for the people of ottawa for rejecting her but nevertheless um here we have it, Andrew, these bombshell testimonies. What are your thoughts on them?
1: I mean, in, in fairness to the federal government, people making French toast in the middle of the street
2: is pretty scary.
1: Is It's beyond the capability of the of the <laughs> Ottawa Police Services and the OPP to deal with it. It was probably the case that the Ottawa police officers were indulging in some of that delicious French toast. Right. They were probably eating some of that Domino's pizza and maybe bobbing their head up and down when the the, the speakers were playing good times. Boom, 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 Right. So they So obviously the federal government needed to invoke the War Measures Act to deal with this purge like situation. I, I'll also give by way of anecdote the day that everything got shut down in Ottawa that Saturday. I was there first thing that Saturday morning at about 830. There were maybe about 50 to 100 people that were on Wellington in front of Parliament Hill, which at this point had been totally fenced off. So at this point, civilians weren't allowed on Parliament Hill. They did that overnight. So there were about 100, let's say 200 of us that were there on Saturday morning. It was a cold, very quiet morning. At this point, there was no music. There was no one on the main stage. It had a very eerie feeling about it. And then at nine o'clock, you had officers from police forces all over the country come out of the Chateau Laurier Hotel. And at the front were the unmarked officers, like they were. They had these 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 uniforms, armor. There was no name, no badge number. They were unmarked, and they actually had back catchers, knee guards. And padded gloves and batons and so when they came out they outnumbered the protesters three to one so simply just looking at that day alone the day that they exerted all the force that they needed to push us off of wellington we were outnumbered three to one and i have videos a friend of mine was standing with a megaphone in front of the police officers praying for them and calling to calling them to repent of this great evil. And, and their response was sound grenades and pepper spray. So anyone who was there, who isn't a total diva saying it was like the purge, we know it was unjustified. We know we were there and we know when, that when it happened, we, we know that the threshold wasn't met. It was, yeah, th- this, and, and it, it's not just the last couple of days it's been nothing nothing but testimonies of high ranking officers saying we didn't have to do it it was unnecessary there were, there were no confirmed violence no threat um and i mean this this really only looks like it's going to go one way that the commission will conclude that it was unjustified but the problem is that carries no legal weight behind it that doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. Yeah. You still need the, the next step. Political action. Poli- it it yeah.
2: requires political action and, and political will. If this will. commission
1: comes back and says it was unjustified, there will be an uproar in Canada for people saying, nah, you need to do something about it now. you Someone needs to pay for this, and, and, and they need to pay for it in the eyes of the law with the appropriate punishment for this and obviously, this goes all the way to the tippy top, um, starting with our our prime fascist, Justin Trudeau. He needs to be the first one to account for this. And I'll also say quickly, um, it, 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 so I, I also I was of the conviction that the reason why he pulled back the War Measures Act was because they were about to lose the vote in the Senate. And that may be true, but I've had some people. I'm connected with in the financial world and what they've told me is when the War Measures Act was invoked and bank accounts started being started to be seized, people in droves started pulling their money out of bank accounts. And there was a opening red. up accounts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and like and it's it's the big yeah. banks, right? It's the TD, the Scotia and
2: because of fractional reserve banking. Right. They I'm can't of take that many deposits at a time. So yeah. We we
1: I closed my account at the bank where I was at. My church closed my account. We opened it up with a local credit union. We pulled it out. And so what I heard was that high-ups in the financial world put pressure on the prime minister and basically said, your decision, right, maybe you're going to pull this trigger, but you pulling it now the way that you've done is actually costing us a lot of money because we make a lot of interest over the people that have their money in our banks, in our accounts. And I think the pressure came both from the vote in the Senate, but also in the financial world. They put a lot of pressure and said, "What? this is bad. We're losing money. And, you know, he's he's a coward without principles who will do whatever his handlers tell him to do and so he pulled back the order and the only the only real good thing about all of that was that Jagmeet Singh looked like a total fool because he threw all his weight towards oh we need to do this absolutely the emergencies act and then two days later three days later Trudeau's like oh we pull it back and it makes Jagmeet look like a total fool And,
2: and let me I also want to run a clip of Jagmeet responding to a question in the media about how if if the commission comes back and says this was an unjustified use of the emergency act he wouldn't automatically pull his support from Justin in their supply and confidence so I, he needs the I money mean, of course i not. mean you're talking about a uniparty at this point the ndp liberal coalition i don't care if you don't like that language that's what it is and that's i further think axis
1: pro- uh, axis is a better yeah yeah
2: the, the evil yeah, axis, axis yeah. is better than, than coalition yeah, absolutely. but let me play that clip because it's further proof of that coalition
0: then let me ask you this uh jagmeet say if the commission concludes that really it was not justified Would you withdraw your support of the Liberals? Uh,
1: That doesn't seem that it would be. uh, Depending on the results, we'd have to hear exactly what the results are. I don't want to presuppose uh, the findings. If there's something that that comes out in the findings that
2: that I didn't imagine or we didn't anticipate, uh, then we'll have to reserve our judgment. But uh, simply because it was the wrong decision uh, wouldn't be enough for us to break uh,
1: or or to to force the the country into an election. Our first story is brought to you by our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Born out of the desire to separate money from the state, Bitcoin epitomizes freedom money, an uncensorable network programmed around digital scarcity where the individual is in full control and accountable for his own property. You know, like not having your bank account seized by the federal government. Bull Bitcoin, Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013, is a 100% self funded company led and op- operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are top priority. Customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet in their own possession. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money, you own the money. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC and get started with your accounts creation today. Contact Bull's Best in Business customer support team at any point to request assistance throughout the process. Take control of your money. Mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Go ask your questions. Have them answered. Do your research. Solid friends there. Seriously consider purchasing at least a little bit of Bitcoin.
2: Well, Andrew, we're used to covering the news here on The Dispatch. We're not used to be being a part of the news, but our next story has us in that uncomfortable position. And um, we have been... I don't know. I'm okay being far right. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm okay being a far right... Anti, I'm just saying, it's LGBT, because Christian it's nationalist.
2: Unusual. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care what the the Marxists have to say about us. It probably means we're over the target if they're circling the wagons. Nevertheless, that's generally what we do. We're covering the news rather than being part of our part of the news. Nevertheless, here we are. The legacy media has lumped us in in with a bunch of groups um, who are apparently far right extremists. Groups who are pushing candidates to get involved in the Ontario school board election. So, both CBC and CTV have run stories of that ilk in this past week leading up to the municipal elections, which are, as of time of recording, being held this evening in Ontario. But we want to cover. Just how extreme the media bias is in our legacy media. So let's get into the meat of the argument. What's actually in the article from CTV. I'll I'll read a quote as follows. It's municipal election season and experts are warning that some far-right groups and individuals are bringing an agenda of anti-diversity, anti-LGBT... Q2S plus views to an important but often forgotten ballot battleground school boards. According to the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, those are the experts, right? The CAHN, they're the expert. Far-right lobbying groups are attempting to install school board trustees who will uphold what CAHN calls regressive views. Those they are warning against say they're simply trying to inform Canadians where school board candidates stand on certain issues. The outcomes ultimately are very damaging. Hazel Woodrow, an education facilitator with Con, told ctvnews.ca in a phone interview. So, regardless of what they kind of claim, or their motivations, ultimately the outcomes are not in the best interests of students and in particular marginalized students cpc the canadian pravda corporation as we've talked about which is actually known as the cbc or formally known uh as that on this program was not going to be outdone by the spin doctors at cv ctv news and we should just say these were under news articles it wasn't opinion articles they were smuggled in as actual news nevertheless they covered the story with this glorious piece of political hackery in school board elections across ontario this monday dozens of candidates are running on promises to roll back protections for transgender students part of a Concerted effort by conservative lobby groups to undo policies aimed at addressing systemic discrimination. The normally sleepy contests for trustee positions have been highly charged this year with faith-based groups, political parties... And self styled anti woke organizations involved to an unprecedented degree, including providing endorsements, mobilizing volunteers, and providing candidates training from U.S. political operatives. Which hateful and evil groups do these state funded propaganda arms list? Well, at the heart of the CTV story was the campaign. Life Coalition which is generally a catholic organization that deals with pretty much pro abortion stuff they're not woke leftist marxism marxist therefore they have to be ticket er, er, therefore they have to be uh, attacked and gone after by our legacy m- media blue for blueprint for canada an organization that wants to help students not hate their country and understand our history accurately are also among the list action for Canada, an organization committed to strengthening and protecting, protecting faith, family, and freedom in Canada, parents as first educators or PAFE, an organization that exists to empower parents to take primary responsibility for their children's education. And last but not least, Andrew, the, these guys! Woo! The Liberty Coalition Canada with our Christians That Care initiative, which we exist, obviously, as you know, to lead in promoting freedom and liberty in our nation, creating a united front and and informing Canadians, getting them involved in all areas of life, and declaring, most importantly, the Lordship of Christ over all of life. These are the extremist groups of <laughs> anti lgbt 2 ampersand W upside down question mark um, groups that have been pushing back and getting politically active. And what do you see? The rats are scurrying because we're getting involved. And there's one thing we all have in common
1: other than the label of being regressive and hateful that's just <laughs> that's them trying to throw mud that's all they're just trying to throw mud we all have one thing in common all these groups we believe in god's design for marriage and sexuality and we reject this mystical postmodern idea of gender theory which inevitably will lead to the sterilization and genital mutilation of our children and for that We are labeled far-right, hateful, anti-LGBTQS+. I don't know where the A and the I are, right? In the federal, it's 2SLGBTQAI+. So they got to get their acronyms in order. But we're bigots. Why? Because we obey God. Because we have eyes to see the world as it is, and we want to save our children from certain destructions. Sorry, and we want to save our children from certain destruction. But here's that spin again. This, again, is from the CPC. A study published earlier this year in the Canadian Medical Association Journal found transgender youth are five times more likely to think about suicide and 7.6 times more likely to attempt it. And this is from that same CTV article. Quote, ultimately, what every parent wants is a safe and supportive environment at school for their children. And when some children are not safe at school because they're being targeted by racist or transphobic policies, that's us, right? Read that in there. That's not a safe environment for the rest of the students either, Hazel Woodrow said. She was raised in a, quote, pretty far right traditionalist Catholicism herself, And says it was difficult for her as a queer person in a small town. She doesn't want kids to have to go through what she did. End quote. These wokies, these hustlers in all things radical gender ideology, they don't care about our children. Like, this is the myth. They don't actually care about children. Children are just props for them. We know this because they'll murder children before they're born. And... They'll inject them with poison after they're born, and then they'll sterilize them after they're born as well. They don't care about children. All they want to do is indoctrinate our children to further their social and political ends. And here's why. And we were talking about this in a discussion with someone else. It's because they don't have any children of their own. That's why. When you reject God's law and God's design and purpose for marriage and sexuality, surprise, surprise, you can't produce your own children. Which means you have no legacy, which means you have no one to continue your name and your mission after you die. That's why the alphabet mafia has come after our kids, who are the product of, pardon the crassness, but good old-fashioned heterosexual sex. They can't make their own children, so they have to come after our children. And why is it, they're going to talk about the high suicidality rate, why is it? Because these kids suffer with a mental illness. It's a disorder. Believing that their bodies don't match reality. right? This is a, this is a legitimate disorder. When someone suffers with a mental disorder, you don't say to them, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, when someone says, I feel like there's always someone watching me. Someone's always around the corner. Someone's in the bushes. Everywhere I go, there's cameras in my house. I feel like I'm being watched. And they, they, they struggle with paranoia. You don't say to them, you're right, Uncle Rick. There is someone watching you. There's always people. No, you don't feed the lie. You tell them the truth. And so the reason why these kids suffer so much is because they're being told, yeah, you are a girl, even though you're in a boy's body. When what they need to hear is the truth, which is God has made you a boy. You need to embrace that, accept that there's something beautiful and unique about masculinity, about boyhood that needs to be embraced. You lovingly tell them what's true. You help them accept their bodies the way that God has made them. If they really cared about our children, then they wouldn't be advocating for medical and physical sterilization, rendering them childless. Right? If they really cared about our children, they wouldn't say to our children, we want to do whatever we can to make sure that you can't have your own kids someday. Right. But if they can't have children in their rejection of God's design and their sick drag queen pedophilia practices, then in their minds, I guess these innocent and suffering children also can't have children. This is the sick. This is how sick it is and how twisted it is that they if we can't have kids, they can't have kids either. And so what are we doing? Well, this vile cycle of self-mutilation and self-destruction, well, we're going to run candidates. To help save our children from this worldview, from this destructive, life altering worldview. Of course, we should. Of course, we should. Now, I mean, I, I will say this also you should get your kids out of this godless Marxist indoctrination system, anyways. Like, you should get them out of government schools. But we should still send people back in to try to save the kids who are there we're also, we're right? also we want to save those we're kids. also
2: taxpayers so we we absolutely have a say on how taxpayer-funded schooling should be run and if we want to see a nation that promotes uh, Canada and and it's and and w- the 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 truthful telling of its history um, as opposed to uh, a problematized Marxist rendering of that history from a post-colonial lens then we have to get involved in saying no stop it it's idiotic we have to end it so regardless if if our children are going to them or not you should not feel the slightest bit of hesitation to get involved in these these sorts of things but i want to say the ctv article especially andrew stood out to me because it's a news it's a, it's a very long article, too. It's extraordinarily long. We'll link it in the description. People can read it if they want to waste their time. But nevertheless, it's there. Do your research. But it's a news piece. And essentially, the news article could be crazy, radical, state-sponsored, anti-hate group, <laughs> Marxists... Are against anybody who's not a Marxist um, because the anti anti hate dot CA is like the southern poverty law center in the United States, which has now totally been just absolutely nobody takes them seriously because they have totally beclowned themselves and be out been outed as a Marxist leftist radical activist organization that, that is totally not non-partisan as they build themselves, but is insanely ideo- ideological. The anti-hate.ca group. They're the exact same way. In fact, if you wanted to work there, Andrew, guess what it says? You have to be well-versed in right-wing and extremist or white uh, supremacist—you have to be um, knowledgeable far-right and white supremacist movements and identify as an anti-fascist, or an anti-racist. Now we've said on the program those don't mean just what the words actually mean. If you were to break them down etymologically, you're not going to get to the the heart of what they're saying. <laughs> yes, anti anti-racism is race Marxism. It is applying a critical consciousness to race issues. And when we're talking about anti-fascism, we have to understand how fascism is described by Marxists. And if you want to get into it, just look at her. I've talked about this before. You need to understand the writings of some of the most influential Marxists of the modern age. Herbert Marcuse is one of them, and he wrote a 1965 essay called Repressive Tolerance, and he gives a definition of fascism in it. I'm not going to read it because it's quite lengthy, but what we have to understand is from the Marxist point of view, fascism is capitalism. It's advanced capitalistic societies. Anything that would further a capitalist society or a, 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 a society that would promote Unequitable, like e- inequality of outcomes, uh, then that is to the Marxist a a fascist society. So it's not well defined, like Mussolini, which it says basically it's this corporatism, this this merger of private and public partnership, uh, which is literally the WEF. Funny enough, they. Forward anti-racism stuff and anti-fascist stuff, and they're the actual fascists. But nevertheless, fascism is basically any society where free markets and capitalism uh, would reign. And that really makes fascism then this absolutely broad, expansive uh, word that basically means the Western... World uh, that it's been shaped uh, by biblical principles. So when we're seeing a- anti-racist, anti-fascist, don't don't think those are good terms. I mean, they are if you're just using them in in a in a benign way. But when a Marxist group like these fools at uh, Anti-Hate um, Canada are using it, it means exactly what the Marxists think it means, and. Like I said at the top, I'm not worried if the Marxists think we're coming for them because we are.
1: Well, I I look forward to us updating our audience in the next number of days, specifically with the Christians that care candidates that won. (laughs) I know in BC, for example, there's an organization called Parents' Voice, and they, in a similar way, I mean, they are not a distinctly Christian organization, But they're an organization in British Columbia that was basically saying we need to run as school board trustees, people who will not push a woke agenda. And I know they saw a number of great victories in B.C. because obviously parents are the more they wise up to what's going on, the more they realize I don't want my kids there. Now, again, what they should do is they should pull their kids out of the system altogether. But if they don't do that wising up to what's happening and voting in the right people of course that's great so i mean we we don't want to give names or numbers right now because we want everything to be in but at the very least we have a few confirmed wins for Christians to care candidates who've won in their election and this is going to be a good day this will be this will this will really make them freak out over on the left because they'll see yeah grassroots movements that are not state funded, legacy media driven movements and organizations can actually see these political victories. And so this is a good day. This is to be be encouraged when they, you know, Jesus said, when your obedience to him, when when the life that you live and the righteousness you pursue means that they're going to say all sorts of vile, hateful things against you, then rejoice, right? Don't rejoice if they say you're a racist, if you are a racist, But if you love Christ and if you're trying to obey him by pressing into the culture, by engaging in the public square, by engaging in the political sphere, by actually bringing things under the lordship of Christ, when you do that and then when they say all sorts of vile things against you, like just throw your hands up in celebration because that's exactly what they will do to those who love and obey Christ because they hate him and because they hate his word. So be I think this is encouraging that they would run these hit pieces on us because if we were if we were not a threat and if we were no big deal they wouldn't even mention us but they feel like they have to spin and get ahead of the narrative. And so this is this is this is encouraging. We want we want to talk about our friends over at Red Balloon because there's more encouraging stuff happening there as well. You might think that woke politics and medical tyranny have destroyed the Canadian workplace in the same way that you might think wokeness in the education system has rendered people hopeless and helpless. No, that's not the case at all. And in the same way, some companies are standing up and saying no to this woke nonsense in the workplace as well. In just over one year, over 2,000 companies have pledged to honor free speech and medical privacy at redballoon.org. And Red Balloon is here in Canada wanting to grow in the Canadian market. You need to support them. If you're a Canadian business owner and you want to find top tier values aligned talent, or if you want access to one of a kind courses and guides that will help you build an uncancelable pro freedom workplace, sign up today at redballoon.orgslash LCC. You can benefit from the Freedom Academy. You can grow a strong business that is anti-fragile. And if you're a job seeker in Canada and you're tired of skin deep promotions and vaccine checkpoints, you want to find a courageous company that shares and protects your values. New jobs are waiting for you over at redballoon.orgslash LCC. Friends, if you own a business, if you are a CEO if you are on a board of directors and you want to find employees that are lined up with your values, that believe in the greatness of the Canadian economic spirit and have not bought into woke ideology, you need to sign your business up at redballoon.org slash LCC. And you need to go look for great jobs at redballoonwork slash LCC. Now all that's that's all good. The hit piece, we'll take the hit pieces. That's fine because we're scaring them, and they feel like they need to push back, which is which is good. They may be punching down, but we're gonna we're gonna punch up with everything we got until eventually we're the ones that have the upper hand. That we're gonna start to see more and more of these victories, more and more of these political wins. But this brings us to something that is a little sour. The story itself is a little bit disappointing. But the fact that this is all coming out now is good, right? Light is the best disinfectant. Mm -hmm. And so bringing this stuff out in the light, this public inquiry that we're seeing in this story we're about to talk about, that we're bringing this out in the light, Mm -hmm. we're exposing it, this is good. That people see what's actually going on and hear what's going on, this is really, really good. We covered a story a while back where the RCMP commissioner, Brenda Lucky, allegedly used her position within the RCMP to pressure local officers in Nova Scotia for information about the investigation into a mass shooting that happened in 2020. Now, the reason for her involvement, Lucky was allegedly trying to help the federal government justify their handgun freezing legislation. Of course, Lucky and the federal government denied the accusations. Recently, however, a leaked phone call with Lucky and the local RCMP in Nova Scotia shed new light on the investigation and it doesn't look good for the rcmp commissioner the whole audio conversation is about 27 minutes and we've linked that as well the globe and mail and the national post one has the full audio and one has the full audio transcript we want to play you just a sample of it and if you're wondering where it is it's about the 10 minute and 30 second mark where we see this exchange here and we hear this from Brenda Lucky and we want you to see what we're talking about.
0: Does anybody realize what's going on in the world of handguns and guns right now? The fact that they're in the middle of trying to get a legislation going, the fact that that legislation is supposed to actually help police and the fact that the very little information I asked Be put in speaking notes at around 11:30 this morning uh, is when I started this, which was three or more hours before Darren was to speak, could not be accommodated. The fact that I asked eight, almost eight hours before, for a chronology and a map couldn't be provided in eight hours, but yet it could be provided. On the ninth or tenth hour, when it was too late, four days or five days after the event. So, does, does anybody wonder why I feel frustrated, or I feel like I'm not being heard, which makes me feel disrespected? Does any is anybody seeing that, or is it just am I being oversensitive?
1: Yes, you're being oversensitive. Mm. And you're showing your corruption. Now let me let me. That sounds exactly
2: like what was alleged, though.
1: Well, I wanna I wanna give some context for anyone who hasn't listened to the whole audio recording. But prior to that, the discussion is basically: were handguns used? Let's talk about handguns being used. When we talk about it to the public, can we make sure that we emphasize that it's handguns? So it's all about handguns, handguns. How many handguns? Were there handguns? Which handguns? When we talk about it to the public, we ought to let them know handguns, handguns. And she's asking, give me the information. Tell me about the handguns. Which handguns? Were there handguns? So she says all of that. Handguns, handguns, handguns. And I'm going to read just a portion of what you just heard. After handguns, 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 handguns. Quote. Does anybody realize what's going on in the world of handguns and guns right now? The fact that they're in the middle of trying to get a legislation going. The fact that legislation is supposed to actually help police. The fact that very little information I ask to be put in speaking notes could not be accommodated. Friends, that sounds really, really Bad. What it sounds like is like she was pressing the RCMP in Nova Scotia for information about the guns that were used and intentionally pressuring them to tell the public and the media that it was handguns because she wanted fodder for the handgun ban legislation. That's just like lying about a peaceful protest. In order to invoke the War Measures Act, except in this case, she used a real mass shooting, not a peaceful protest, to justify an unlawful handgun freeze, which, by the way, just came into effect this past Friday. So this is a glorious moment of delicious irony and Providence. But apparently, the decision to make illegal the buying, selling, and transferring of handguns in Canada, which is now four days old, comes on the heels of this leaked phone call. That is a bad look. That is a bad
2: look. It's it's amazing, and I like I, I you always got to think God clearly has a sense of humor that um, at the same time the commission's happening. At the at the same time, this this handgun freeze is happening. What are you seeing? You're seeing corruption at the highest level of law enforcement in our nation, and that should shed some light on 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 the actual state of things in, in our nation. Is there's corruption throughout our government that you, you have these pseudo independent um, organizations like the RCMP that's supposed to be independent of the machinations uh, the political machinations of the federal government but they're working hand-in-glove in in an extraordinarily inappropriate uh, way and I'm thankful for Raquel Danko again she's from Winnipeg and she's been highlighting the fact that given what we're hearing given the damning facts that are coming out from this narrative, heads should roll. People should step down. This is so beyond inappropriate. It's incredible. Um, But nevertheless, that's, again, it's par for the course with our, our federal government, with the highest officials in our land. And, you know, the liberals are out there toting the fact that you know, um, they've, they've instituted this handgun freeze. They're just, you know, it's simple math. The less handguns, the more violence as if though, if that, if it were actually that simple, um, the less guns, the, the less violence. Well, if you apply that logic, wouldn't you have to get rid of the RCMP? Wouldn't you have to get rid of, um, the Canadian military? Like, and cars it, uh, you, and knives. Yeah, any of these and, things. And,
1: and fast food restaurants. They're just merely Get tools. Get rid of all of yeah, it.
2: They're just merely tools um, that can be used for good or ill. Um, but they're there passing a law that will not be respected by unlawful criminals in our society, but that will only affect law-abiding citizens like yourself, Andrew. Wait, so you mean that people who would buy guns illegally, they're not going to stop? No. They're,
1: so now they're going to stop buying guns illegally and using them for. So they'll just tap gonna each other keep, on the arm instead of. Doing oh, they're going to keep. So people who break the laws will keep breaking the laws, and lawful people that would want to defend themselves lawfully are now being hampered, making it so that the criminals have an even greater advantage. Is that? I mean, is that what you're suggesting? Matt? That is
2: what I'm su- suggesting, and uh. I'm also suggesting. Um, that the hist- history has a way of it should act as a teacher to us. There's a didactic a- aspect to uh, history that we continually don't seem to learn from. And that's why, you know, anybody who knows history is doomed to watch those who don't repeat it. And the fact of the matter is what we've seen great confiscation bans, most recently Australia, did you notice what happened in, in during COVID in Australia? It couldn't even leave your home without getting accosted by the police. But then we add to that list the USSR, Nazi Germany, Germany Soviet Bulgaria, East Germany, communist Cuba and Venezuela. All of these have put in gun bans on their citizens and all of these can be accounted amongst the most vile and heinous of all dictatorships and tyrannies in human history.
1: So we should link in the note, we actually covered this when we first covered the story, when the handgun freeze was announced by the federal government, Mm -hmm. we actually did a deep dive and we covered all those countries and we actually gave the dates. We, We, in that episode, we should link. We basically said when this country implemented their gun ban, or their mandatory buyback in you know this year mm-hmm. most of those countries within three to five to ten years eventually started murdering their own people yep like it's not that long of a period of time that oh look now we can start becoming tyrants in all of these countries and what's astounding is all of these countries it's only within the last 150 years so it's not like we have to go that far back into history so we covered that in that episode for anyone who wants to watch it Mm -hmm. we should uh we should link that as well
2: absolutely man anyways it's been a long episode there's been so much to cover there is always so much to cover uh we do thank you for sticking with us uh we do you know uh thank so many people uh, listeners viewers um people across this country who have got involved in the political process from a Christian perspective, got involved with CTC, regardless of the outcomes, we can be very thankful that people are noticing that we're standing up, we're speaking out. And that that's that's caught the attentions attention of crazy leftist Marxists and their insane organizations that are state funded and the state funded propaganda arm of our federal government as well. So we should take victory in that, but we know that also there's people across this country who are winning victories in, in municipal elections from a Christian perspective so that they can press the Lordship of Jesus Christ into all areas of life and interpose between crazy ideological Marxists who are trying to ram down their world and life view on unsuspecting students. So we could be- And if I can interject yeah. here as well, this is
1: why, We would ask you to please seriously and prayerfully consider supporting us at the Liberty Coalition Canada of donating to our work and to our organization because any victories and successes we see in this municipal election, especially with the candidates who ran and who were involved with Christians That Care, there's a tremendous amount of time and work and resources that went into that. We have I mean, there are weekly Zoom calls where we bring in speakers from all over all over North America to give us their time in encouraging and training, helping these candidates with running their campaign, with door knocking, with getting the resources, with just doing the ground game. We had a rather extensive weekend long training seminar. Where again, we had speakers from all over the country and really all over North America in person and join in via Zoom. And so the work that we're doing, there are a lot of hours, a lot of late nights, a lot of traveling, a lot of getting people involved, a lot of resources spent to do this. And so we need your help to do this. Our goal is to raise $300,000 before the end of this calendar year. So we can keep doing this because there are municipal elections all over the country. We need to think ahead to federal and provincial elections as well. We need to keep supporting people that are fighting for freedom. We need to keep supporting people legally by supporting them, but also defending them in court with legal battles. If we get there, there is work to be done and we're seeing the fruit of it. We're seeing the fruit of we're seeing that Dr. Curtis Wall in his case, the publication ban was dropped so that his expert witnesses had their identity put out. We did that. The Liberty Coalition Canada did that because we appealed that case and we won. We're going to see wins for Christians who are running in municipal elections. Lord willing, we'll see Western back down. And if not, we're going to keep pressing into them with what they're doing. We're seeing wins. We're seeing an effect to the work that we're doing. And we need your support. We need your donations. We need your help to do that. So please... Go to LibertyCoalitionCanada.com, click on that Donate page. You can specify where you want your support and donations to go to our particular arms, whether it's analysis, advocacy, or legal aid. But we need your help to keep doing this because we want to keep fighting for freedoms, and we're going to keep seeing wins. And so we want to keep bringing them to you.
2: Let the demons fear and tremble. <laughs> and and, and I, so I'm so thankful for people getting involved, pushing back. Um, speaking of gargoyles and demons, I just wanted to make mention. Sue Gardner, board member, anti-hate Canada, World Economic Forum member. Just going to put that out there. We're over the target, guys. We got the Marxists and the globalists running for the hills. So we this, this has to only be a start. It's only got to be a beginning. That's why we're encouraging your donations. Not because we're getting rich over here. Come on, guys. Not because of that, but because... It'll, if you
1: saw what I drive yes. and what I plan on, and we're both and I of plan us on driving yeah,
2: <laughs> I plan on driving
1: it right into the ground. Yes. My my 2013 Dodge Caravan, mm-hmm. I'm gonna drive that thing right into the ground. I have no desire <laughs> to upgrade to an infinity SUV. I'm gonna drive that thing hard, but what I wanna do is I wanna drive it across the country. And I want to drive it across mm-hmm. the province. And I want to meet with pastors. And I want to, I want to meet with Christians. And I want to support them and build them up. And mm-hmm. I want to I want to do that work of advancing the kingdom of God of of bringing all things under the lordship of Christ mm-hmm. and fighting for freedoms in our country. And uh, if you haven't noticed, gas is expensive. <laughs> and it is. We need help to do the work. We need help to do the work. And so, seriously, consider supporting us. And if again, if you see what we're doing, if you see these wins, if when you wake up and you look and you see, wow, this far right, bigoted group actually was successful (laughs) in putting Christian candidates in city councils and school boards. And I mean, Lord willing, even mayor, if some one of them could win the mayoral race. If you see that and you're like, this is good. We need to see more of this. Mm hmm. Help us make that happen.
2: And don't despise the day of small beginnings. That's what the scriptures say. You you always got to start somewhere. uh, And this is where we're starting. And we're starting with the help of so many just ordinary Canadian citizens like yourself. So thank you, as always, for getting involved, for supporting the program. We ask that you would share it around, that you would reach out to us if you have any comments, questions, concerns at info at libertycoalition.com. And please again consider leaving us a donation until next time galatians 5-1 thanks for tuning in to liberty dispatch a united front to restore liberty and justice in canada please subscribe to our podcast and rumble
0: channel as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com